0: Got my thing on, right? It's working. Everything's good. Oh, it's delightful to be here. I'm fighting a little cold, so I apologize for my little gravelly voice, but, uh, you know, it's really exciting to be in Brooklyn because I have some deep heritage in Brooklyn. My mother was born here a long time ago. She's 92 years old. She still drives. She's still working, and she plays golf with me. Yeah. Yeah. And my dad and mom were engaged on the Empire State Building and married in Long Island. And they've been married 70 years now. So I have a great, great heritage, and it started here in these roots, and I'm so grateful for that. And the interesting thing is my dad has got a little bit of dementia, so he can't remember things. So every five minutes he kind of loses his memory so you can do things for him. Like, for example, we gave him $90 bills, single-dollar bills on his birthday. And, we, and he counted them all out, and he was all excited. And then we split the dollar bills over here, and he comes in five minutes later, what's that? <laughs> he didn't know what it was. So I was kind of troubled because it's hard to communicate with somebody who keeps forgetting everything you, you tell him about five minutes later. But one of the things I did is I was sitting with him in the backyard and I said, Hey, Dad, remember that verse you taught me? 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ. And he went, He's a new creature. All things are passed away. All things have become new. And he quoted it. And I went, Woo, he's got that one. You know? And then I said, Galatians, Galatians 2.20 And he quoted that. And pretty soon he was quoting verses over and over. And he says, When did I memorize those? He didn't even... <laughs> But the Word of God was in him, and it was powerful and working. And so we were able to connect around the Word of God. I'm 96 years old. I don't know how long God's going to give him, but I love him and my mom, and they gave me a great heritage. So thanks for letting me be here with you. I love Edwin and Liz and the family. I've been able to get to know the family, and so it's really been a treat. Now, what's happened is as I coach Edwin, I see your church through a little tiny pipe. And I don't get to see every one of you, but today the pipe is getting bigger, you know. And so I appreciate, that. I appreciate that. So I've met some of the guys that are living here and look forward to meeting more of you. But God is doing an incredible work in your lives. Amen? Amen. He's working not only here, but he's working all over the world. There's incredible things going on. Matthew 24:14 says, when the gospel of the kingdom is proclaimed throughout the whole world, the end will come. All right? And so we have a mission to accomplish, and you guys are on assignment here in this area to proclaim the gospel around the world, and that's what God wants us to do. Every single one of us have that responsibility. Now, there are three things that are real critical, and let's see if we can put that slide up that shows that particular... Uh... I think you need to go back to the picture, one picture back. Can we go... Have we got that picture of the mountain? One more... If the picture's not showing. Okay, no picture. All right, so you're going to have to use your imagination. Out in Oregon, where I'm from, it, it, you've, you've, have you heard that it's raining in Oregon? Have you heard that? Yes. It only rained twice last year. Mm-hmm. First for three months, then for four months. <laughs> we don't tan, we rust. So. so we get a lot of rain. <clears throat> <laughs> but in Oregon, it's very beautiful because of the rain. You get these huge green trees that are everywhere. And you get giant mountains. And so there's this mountain called Mount Hood that's just, I can look out toward my house and I can see Mount Hood. It's 12,000 feet high, has wow. snow on it. Wow. And so when you look out to Mount Hood, you go, wow, that's really a beautiful mountain. But how many of you would like to fly to Oregon and climb that mountain? Ron doesn't want to climb that mountain. John, you want to climb that mountain? Okay, there are three things you got to have to climb that mountain. Three things. Well, the first thing you got to have is a heart to do it. I want to. I really want to do that. I have to have a heart. So that's a real important piece in climbing a mountain. You really got to want to. So, anybody here want to climb it? Okay, the rest of you are heartless. uh, Okay, you got to want to. I really got to want to do this. Then you have to have vision. You got to be able to see the top. And you got to be able to say, I got to go that way to get up to the top of that mountain. You got to have vision. Alright? First thing you gotta have is what? Art. Second thing you gotta have is Fishing. third thing you have to have is know-how. know-how. That's right. You've got to have the tools and the ice ice shoes and the picks and, and be able to know the path and have some guide take you up to the top. Now these three words, if you'll get them into your vocabulary, they're the three things you will need for everything you want to accomplish in your Christian life. You gotta have number one, Art. number two, Fishing. And number three, no. no how. Okay, and so when you evaluate, how come I'm not succeeding, it's possibly because you don't have heart. God, okay. give me a heart. Remember in Ephesians one nineteen it says, open the eyes of my heart that I might see the hope of your calling. So you need to pray. God, open the eyes of my heart so I can have that heart. Yes. See that? But then sometimes we got a heart. I want to, I want to, but we get fogged up in our vision. We can't see the next step. And so we need help from other people to show us the next step. And then thirdly, we need know-how. We need some skills, some tools to help us, right? If you've got a broken car, you can have a heart to fix that car. I really want to fix that car. I can see that car being fixed. But if you have no tools, you can't fix that car. You've got to have tools, you see? So you've got to have these three things. So let's walk with those in your mind as we go through this message today. And... <clears throat> When you have this heart and vision know-how, it allows you to have power in your life as the Spirit of God empowers you. So let's take a look at some key pieces. Let me make sure i got my notes here. Remind myself where I'm going. Okay, next slide. All right, everybody stand up. We're going to quote this verse together. Because as Jesus came on the scene and he called each one of us, he gave us these instructions to his disciples and to every one of us. So read from the top with me. All right, ready? All authority on heaven and earth is given unto me. So you must go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. You can be sure that I am always with you To the very end, Matthew 28 19 and 20. I couldn't get the letters on there. So that's good. You can sit back down. All right. Now, these are clear instructions that God has given His church to do. So, when it comes down to every individual, these are instructions that we have. So, let's go to the next slide. And so, we want to ask the question where does Jesus want to take us? He's given us instructions. He says, I want you, all authority on heaven and earth is given to me. Go and make disciples. Whose responsibility is to make disciples? Everyone should be able to say, mine.' Mine. Everybody hear that? Say it with me. My, my responsibility to make disciples. So first, I need to be a disciple so I can make a disciple. All authority in heaven is given to me. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey half. Now, everything I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So this is the instructions. So when Jesus says where he wants to take us, he wants to take us there. And so you remember in Matthew 4:19, when Jesus was working with the disciples, he said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So if you're following him as a disciple, what will he make you? He's going to make you a fisher of men. Amen? Everybody hear me? He's going to do that. He's going to do that work inside of you. He's going to make you a fisher of men. So how are we going to get there? Let's go to the next slide. In Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, and 13, these are some critical verses of how he begins to equip you. So I'm going to read this. You can read it with me, but stay seated, all right? Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Everybody read with me. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, To prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So how many of you want to get to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ? Alright, you want to get there? That's where we're heading? So that's why this verse he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip people, God's people for work and service until, notice this verse right here it says, until we come to unity of the faith knowledge of the Son of God and mature. God's plan for every single one of you is to become mature. mature. I want to grow up. I don't want to stay a baby. I want to grow up. Mm -hmm. I want to grow up. Amen. That's where we're going. So it's important that we strengthen ourselves as a disciple in that area so we can experience the whole measure of the fullness of God. So, wow, this is exciting. Let's go on to the next slide. So, how do we get to maturity? If someone says, are you a mature Christian? Well, I know this. I grew up in my Christian home. My mother and dad taught me the Word of God. I learned how to preach by the time I was 18 years old. And I thought I was mature. I went to Bible school. I learned all kinds of knowledge. I had knowledge all over the place. And then I went in the United States Navy. And I thought, I'm God's gift to the Navy. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to witness and I'm going to lead people to Christ. And I got in the Navy, and I began to struggle with different things in my Christian life. Come on. And I said, Lord, what is it that you want to work in life? So he brought some people who had been trained by the Navigators into my life, and they began to help me grow. And then I remember being transferred from Great Lakes to Norfolk, and I thought, Navigators work with baby Christians. I'll play like a baby Christian. And they'll watch how they work with me. So I got there to Norfolk, Virginia, joined up with the Navigator Ministry, and guess what happened? I didn't have to play. Are you with me here? I was a smart baby Christian. I had knowledge, but I wasn't mature. And I had to realize I have a lot of growing to do. So God says, okay, Dennis, I'm going to put you on board of a ship. You're going to be in the Navy, and I'm going to put you on a ship with 200 non-Christians, and you're going to sail, and they can't get away. They're on this ship, and you get to witness to all of them for the next six months. So on that ship, I experienced rejection. I wasn't the popular guy. I was the Jesus freak on that ship. But by the end of that last cruise, I can still remember, Blevins, Blevins, you got to help us. Lester's going to jump off the ship. He's going to commit suicide. Oh. And they couldn't help him. They're coming the religious guy to help him. You know? So I grabbed my Bible. What would you do? You a guy is going to commit suicide on the back of the ship. I mean, it's 10,000 miles of water around you. Wow. You jump, you're gone. So he's sitting back there, and he's guilty. So I grabbed my Bible. I went out there. I said, oh, God, you got to help me here. Open my Bible, and I said, Dale, can I start reading the Bible to you? He said, yeah. So I started reading some verses from the Scriptures. And as I read those verses, he began to calm down. He began to understand that he was forgiven, that God loved him. And then for the next two months we spent time in the Bible together and he decided to follow Jesus. He was so excited. On a night on a United States ship in the middle of the ocean. You You mean God is out there? Yeah, he's out there. Amen. Working in people's lives everywhere. And Dale grew as a young disciple, and so I started he started to learn how to be a disciplined leader. He started learning how to discipline his life to get into the Word of God. And it changed him. And I said, this is so exciting. I'm going to give my life to this, to see people become disciples and to grow. And so what do we want to do is we want to look at what a disciple looks like. So let's look at three passages of Scripture so we can get a clear picture of what a disciple looks like. So read with me John 8, 31. This is what we're going to do. is What does a disciple look like so I can make one? Ready? Everybody with me. If you abide in my Word... You're disciples of mine. Okay, so what's a disciple have to do? Abide. Abide in the Word. That means to have a constant relationship with the Word of God. Abide. Not kind of once in a while touch in on the Word, but abiding. So that the flow the power of God can come through your life. Then another quality of a disciple is John 13, 34, and 35. Read that with me. By this, all men know that you are my disciples... If you have love for one another. So what's a disciple look like? Loves one another, right? So what's the first one? He abides in the word and he loves one another. And then the last verse says, By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. Right? Everybody here with me? So three qualities of a disciple. Number one, abides in the word. Number two, loves. Number three, Bears fruit, right? And you go, do you guys understand all those words? Yes. Yeah? Yeah? Some of them, you know, oh, I'm not sure. Okay, so let's work on that. I mean, some of these things may not be real clear to you, but these are the three qualities you're looking at. Abide in the word, and I'm gonna I'm gonna major on the abide in the word today. Then love one another and bear fruit. Vines that abide You know, a vine that abides in the branch bears fruit. It produces fruit, lives of other people, the fruit of the Spirit. So let's take a look. We're going to focus in what does it mean to abide in the Word. And why is this so important to maturity? If you want to grow to full maturity in Christ, it's important that you learn to abide in the Word of God. We're going to just focus on this part. So let's take a look at this next second. Your physical body. As we picture what a healthy person looks like, it has a heartbeat. So you go to the doctor. You got a heartbeat. You got blood pressure. You got your skin tone. You look healthy, you know. And it, most of you guys look uh, mature, right? I look out here. I don't see any babies. I don't see no babies out here, right? Oh, oh, there's a young little child over there. Okay, but most of you are mature, right? Say that. Okay. And so I can see that. I can see things outward signs. So <clears throat> we have studies that are designed, But how do we know when we're spiritually mature? So let's take a look how we're designed. God made us with a spirit, a soul, and a body. Now let's take a look at a verse of Scripture that says that. Remember in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, read that with me, it says, May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Right? So we got what? Body, Soul and spirit. Now let's break that down into three little circles. Alright, so God is spirit. Right? And God communicates with spirit. Romans eight sixteen. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And so when God created Adam and Eve, He created them with a spirit. And that's your God consciousness. It's your ability to see and understand and feel and hear and communicate with Him. Your spirit, right? Got, everybody with me? Alright, tracking? Then He gave you a soul. That's your self-consciousness. That's kind of the who you are. You know, you're you're Edwin, you're Claudio, you're Ron, you're, you know, whoever you are, that's your soul. That's your mind, your emotion, your will. That's your person, right? Self-awareness. And then your body is your world awareness, your senses, your touch, your taste, your feel. That's your body. All right, everybody? Okay, now, what happens is that God designed us this way. And when he spoke with Adam, he spoke to his spirit. The spirit said, yes, sir. And he said, do this. And Adam said, yes, sir. And turned to his soul and said, body, do this. Right? So who was in charge? God's in charge. God spoke to the spirit. The spirit said, yes, sir. Down to the soul, yes, sir. All the way to the body. That's the design, right? But what happened? Something happened to this. It got messed up. And so what happened is, you to go to the next slide in, in Genesis three seventeen. It says, If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. die. Remember that? Yes. You'll die. Well, did he die? Did his body die? No. Nope. Did his soul die? No. no. his spirit died. Right? It died. And therefore there was the connection was broken. God is spirit. No connection. All of a sudden. And all of us have been born under Adam and we've been born spiritually dead. No connection. And guess who's in charge now? Flip it flip back. Can you go back one? Okay. The soul really is in charge. That's kind of what happens. Is the spirit's gone, and self becomes the center of things. I'm in charge. I'm going to do what I want to do with my life when I want to do it, right? You all relate to that? Yeah, I am in charge. It's my life. I'm going to go do what I want to do. And then, pretty soon, though, you hit some kind of addiction or some kind of control and flip the next slide, and the body becomes in charge. The body starts telling you what to do. I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's going to do it. And off you go. And you become addicted. You See? Now, God says, I want to change that. I want to turn that around. So, what does He do? So, what happens is, let's go to the next slide. In John 3, 3, it says, Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So every one of us have to be born anew, born spiritually. And so when you made that decision to trust Christ, and He spoke to your heart, and you were born inside. And you can remember when that might have happened. And some of you today, maybe that's not true yet. But you remember. Stop and think about it right now. When was I born spiritually? Can you remember it? Yeah, something happened. And so now... Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So you were born spiritually, but your body's been in charge, right? And your soul's been in charge. So guess what we got? What? We got conflict. You with me? There's a conflict going on because now there's a new spirit that's saying, do this. But the soul says, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. You feel that conflict? You all there? We all got conflict. There's a battle going on inside of there. And so that's what, in this next verse, in the next verse, listen, read this with me. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so you do not do what you want. Amen? Amen? And we're all there, brothers and sisters. We all have these conflicts. How do we get on top of it? How do we turn it around? Anybody want to know? Want to know? Some of you have already experienced some areas of victory in your life, but this is what the power, you want power to overcome this. So let's look at this next verse of Scripture. I want you to read this. If you haven't memorized it, I want you to memorize this because it's powerful. Ready? Everybody with me? Hebrews 4.12. Why don't you all stand up so you can get this together. Why don't you stand up and read this one. This is a powerful one. Everybody let it rivet in your soul. Let the Spirit of God speak to you. Ready? Hebrews 4.12. Ready? The Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Amen. All right, go back and sit back down. You have in your hands the written Word of God. Everybody got a Bible? On your phones? Wherever you got it, make sure you have this sword with you. The Word of God is alive and powerful. Very good, he's got it back there. Good. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the dividing sunder of what? Soul and spirit. Now, take a look at this next slide. See if we got this. Now, notice the sword goes right through here and cuts between the soul and spirit so you can get back to the original order. Amen. If you don't have that Word of God powerfully working in your life, it will stay flesh and spirit battle. You'll stay in there and be defeated. But you need to have the Word going right through there. The Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any church, piercing and dividing thunder of soul and spirit. So that you can go, oh, I get it. Surrender to obey you. You're more important. And so the spirit switches back up. So that's what ultimately you're going to get to this next slide. Back to the way it was designed. All right, with me? Yes. See that? Yes. So you've got to have this as a high priority in your life in every way. You've got to grasp the Word of God. It's what makes it work. And the power of God comes into your life. You've got to have that. Yes. All right, so... Let's look at this practically. How do you get a powerful grip on the Word of God? I know this has been taught before, but some of you may not remember it, so we're going to teach it again today. Let's go to the next slide. If you want, you can take your sheet of paper, put your hand down on it, and draw a little line around your hand, because I'm going to check with you after church and see if you have this memorized. If you see me coming and you don't want me to check you, you better run, all right? Because I'm going to ask you. All right, you ready? Right? get your hand in there, get connected here, so you know get this down. There's five ways you can get a grip on the word of God. Right, you with me? What's the first way? Let's do the little finger. Yeah. I've got to hear the word of God, right? I've got to hear the word of God. What does it say in Romans ten seventeen? You can write that little verse of scripture. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Romans ten seventeen. Everybody got that one? What's the first way to get a grasp on the Word of God? Yeah. Hear it. Okay? Everybody got it? So you're coming to church. Are you hearing the Word of God today? Yes. Yes. Now how many you are going to remember this tomorrow? Yes. Yes. Or Tuesday? Yes. Or Wednesday? Yes. Not unless you write it down and go over it again. So that's why we take notes. If you're not taking notes, then it's going to be real tough to remember this stuff. Because you'll just forget it. Right? right? Uh-huh. So don't go to church without taking notes. Right. And go home that day and think about it. Wow, hey, what the, that Hebrews was a great verse. I need to get that one down. Hebrews 4.12. So you hear the Word of God, right? Everybody with me? What's the first one? Hear, hear the Word of God. What's the first one? Hear. hear. All right, you got me? Hear the Word of God. Hear the Word. All right, second one is what? Read. read. the Word of God. It says in Revelation, Blessed is the man who reads the Word of God and does it. Revelation 1.3. Reading it. You think about it. Am I in a regular reading program? At our church, we have a read a reading program. And I was sharing this with the others. We have this little reading program that tells us what to read. And so today was September 30th. We read, I have it broken down into a snack, into a meal, and a feast. So you can read a lot, a little, or a bunch. But it's my reading plan. And so if you want to get a grasp on the Word of God, you need to be reading it. Right? All right. And I think we have some resources for a reading plan here at the church. So if you want help on that. Then make sure you ask the church, how do I get into reading? I need to read the Bible once a year. I need to do it. Now let's just check here. Three things you've got to have to climb a mountain. What are they? Our, our, our so if you want to read the Word of God, what do you have to have? Can you envision by next year you'll have read the whole Bible? Can you vision it? You need to. I want to vision that. I got a heart to do this. I see myself doing that. And you got the know how. Amen. Little tool right there can help you do it. All right? Everybody with me? Yes. Hear it? Read it? Study it. Study it. Study it. What does that say in Acts 17 and 11, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they searched the Word of God to see if these things were so. They studied. And there's some wonderful Bible studies that are available here at Recovery House of Worship for you to get a part of. I want to study. I want to know the Word of God. So what's the first one you got to get? Hear it. Second? Three. Third? Study. study. All right. So now you got three fingers working, right? Fourth one is? Memorize. Memorize. Psalm 119 says, Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against thee memorize the Word of God. Do you think Jesus memorized the Word of God? Yes, yes He did. he's out in the desert. He was being tempted by the devil. The devil says, look at that. Turn that rock to bread. What did Jesus say? What Do you remember what He said? What did He say? That's exactly right. Man does not live by bread alone. He quoted Deuteronomy 6. Right, very good. He memorized it. So I want to be like Jesus. I want to memorize the Scripture. Hide it in your heart. And so what can you start with? If you write these little verses down, you can memorize Romans ten seventeen. You can memorize Revelation one three. You can memorize Acts seventeen eleven. You can get started. Memorize Psalm one nineteen, nine, and eleven. And lastly, meditation. You got it? Meditate on what you hear, meditate on what you read, meditate on what you study, meditate on what you memorize. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it once a week. It says, and say once a week, it says day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. All right, everybody with me so far? Okay, five ways to get a grasp of the Word of God. This is your sword, right? Remember, the sword is going to cut between the soul and spirit. So you need what? Number one? Number two? Number three? Number four? four? Editate. All right, now let me show you just a little little illustration. All right, I'm going to use Eddie, right, Eddie? Sorry? Eddie, ready. Okay, Eddie, you stand over here. Now, now, Eddie, here I am, and I'm trying to get a grasp of the word, right? So I'm going to only use one finger, right? And can you pull that out of my hands? Let's, I'm holding this tight. Can you pull it out of my hands? Try it. Try. It. See, I can't get it. One's just not enough, right? So I get here in reading. I'm going to do two now. Okay. Oh, no, not enough. Three. Three. I got study now. I'm working on this. we're going to, on... oh, fool. Man, I got to have, what's another one? What's this one? Cool. Memorize. Memorize. Okay, I'm memorizing now. Oh, fool. He's got it. Now, what's the last one I need? Meditate. 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 Brothers and sisters, if you'll learn to meditate on the Word of God, it will help you deepen every part of the Word. A... I need to spend time every day meditating on the Scriptures, not meditating on a TV show or magazine somewhere or some video game that's not going to give you nothing if I want the power of the word of God to cut between that soul and spirit I need to have all five working so there see now here we're going to do it see okay come on come on you can do it (laughs) so you see it now do you have a heart for this you have a heart do you want it I want to know the Word of God. I want to let it be power. Can you see it? I've got vision. And there's know-how. There's tools that the church here wants to teach you how to hear it, how to read it, how to study it, how to memorize it, and how to meditate. This will help you as a disciple. Become strong. Encourage one another. Build each other up say, let's do this. Let's become a solid team of disciples who are abiding in the Word of God so we can be his disciples and make disciples. That's what God wants to do here at Recovery House of Worship. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you, and then I'll turn it over to Edwin. Father, we thank you for my brothers and sisters here, and we pray that you will make them powerful, powerful followers of yours through the power of the Word of God and through loving one another and through bearing fruit. We want to be disciples and make disciples, and we pray that you would do powerful work in each life. Now in Jesus' name, amen.